Welcome to the Activate Your Audience podcast. I'm your host, Luis Felipe Giraldo. Here, you'll find a range of episodes discussing all aspects of brand activation, the latest industry trends, market insights, and case studies. We will delve into topics such as experience design, experiential marketing, brand communication, brand campaigns, public relations, content creation, business operations, and a dash of philosophy, all with the goal of helping you increase brand awareness, inspiring you to succeed, achieve your goals, and drive customer engagement. Tune in to learn from the experts and get the secrets to activate your audience. Subscribe to stay up to date on new episodes and join the conversation on Instagram at the Imperial. Let's activate your audience. Welcome to the Activate Your Audience podcast. I'm your host, Luis Felipe Giraldo. Here, you'll find a range of episodes discussing all aspects of brand activation, the latest industry trends, market insights, and case studies. We will delve into topics such as experience design, experiential marketing, brand communication, brand campaigns, public relations, content creation, business operations, and a dash of philosophy, all with the goal of helping you increase brand awareness, inspiring you to succeed, achieve your goals, and drive customer engagement. Tune in to learn from the experts and get the secrets to activate your audience. Subscribe to stay up to date on new episodes and join the conversation on Instagram at The Imperial. Let's activate your audience. Hello and welcome. So I wanted to discuss uh, some of the ideas and principles that um, a business could use and apply that makes your offer so irresistible and your brand strategy a success inspired by the music industry models. This is what artists use. So if we think of, say, our favorite musicians, you know, that brought to us these, or we get indoctrinated into these mini cults, the Beyonce Beehives, your Gaga Monsters, your Taylor Swift Swifties, um, various forms and levels, whether extreme fandom or some sort of allegiance to said artist, there is a... Uh, level that hooks us and it's usually sold within a sonic hook, right? The sound, the music itself, and also a lifestyle that is delivered to us, an aspirational image maybe. Uh, more importantly, it starts with an intangible feeling that is then formulated into a product. So if you're interested in leveraging the principles that the best marketers and strategists in the music industry use for your business and for your brand, stay tuned. Today, you'll learn about how to apply the music industry's formulas for sales, marketing, and product strategy. Subscribe and listen for more episodes. We've talked to industry leaders. Recently, we had uh, Brenda Gilbert of Braun Films. We spoke with Luis DiCamejo on some of the concepts we're about to discuss for leveraging your content strategy, uh, the legacy that is Las Vegas of Wynn. We spoke with uh, Blake Wynn uh, and many other awesome entrepreneurs, uh, marketing, strategists, um, leaders and, and thought leaders and players in the field that I think you can find a lot of value for them. So check out the latest episode on the Activate Your Audience podcast. So back to the music and the product that is, you know, this this service and this idea of music as a product. So Eladio Carrion, a Puerto Rican lyricist and, and street poet, delivered to me a melodic wordplay in the middle of a track um, during a workout that blasted to my ear pods. It was the Sauce Boy Freestyle 3. Uh, and it set a scene that began a sort of fandom and placed me in their funnel to be a supportive fan, maybe a true fan. That's what Kevin Kelly calls, you know, a fan that will buy anything. 
Now, the trajectory started of me as a supportive fan in this example um, and the way that we follow musicians. This is important and a useful journey uh, to understand as an entrepreneur that is working to increase either the lifetime value of your customer and audience to deliver an irresistible offer, something so good that your prospects feel stupid saying no, uh, lower your customer acquisition cost, apply competitive strategies, operate seamlessly, and most importantly, deliver value, which will in turn increase your profits. That is why this matters. Now, the product that I later went on to purchase from an artist like Eladio uh, wasn't just merch or tickets for shows or title or Spotify streams, but there were other ways that allowed me and millions of other fans to pay. Uh, oftentimes with attention, you know, which this attention and this payment, monetary or time and attention wise, it begins and continues and ends with the seed of a feeling, the narrative that was provided by the music, which is the product that this industry and this business and artist sales uh, that they sell. So the, the business enterprise that Fans know as Beyonce, there's the Beyonce business, right? Eladio is his business. Bad Bunny is his business. Taylor Swift is their business. Um, they are largely successful because these individuals' talent and their business's team's talent and the execution of the models we're about to discuss are things that work very well. And that's what we're about to break down. So going forward, we'll refer to the artist as the business and their various songs or campaigns or content as the product. So the Sauce Boy Freestyle 3, the song that sold me, this vibe, this mood, if you will, um, this was the enterprise of Eladio's Cardion, uh, the, the business that is Eladio. It, it created this song and hundreds of other songs as a product which, if you fast forward, was a vehicle that now resulted in their brand value. Today, you know, the, say, cost to book Eladio, the demand for fans, the viewership, the listenership has increased as the enterprise of Eladio has increased because of this initial product or set of products. So that's important to understand because that's what marks the compelling point to build this offering that then compelled me and will compel consumers or um, clients of your product to become constantly engaged with your product and, again, be so um, invested in it that it's hard for them to say no. Now, in anticipation of, say, the latest album of your favorite artist, you know, their album, their concert, uh, an Instagram story, a TikTok post, uh, Amazon special series, a TV appearance, music videos, we anticipate that because we think and we feel we know actually that a fulfillment that a need will be fulfilled i should say now whether that need is to be entertained you know to reconnect to some sort of inspiration that's what like the ladio songs do for me you know you're at the gym you want like this hard pressing uh just lyricism and 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 just energy to come through. Um, that's what I'm seeking. Maybe we have some sort of surrogate aspiration of comfort, right? This hero worship, right? Um, or an escape. We've had a long day. This art helps us just zone out or it reminds us of a vibe, you know, an experience, uh, some sort of thing. We are trusting that this business, this artist and this product, this song or content will serve as a solution, which will work. 
Now, Alex Hermosi's his framework on the irresistible offer is where a lot of this is drawn from, and it clearly outlines how businesses are best positioned to succeed when they make an offer, again, so good that their prospects feel stupid saying no to that offer. In order to build this irresistible offer, uh, a business applies four areas of a value equation. So it's an equation, it's your dream outcome times the perceived likelihood of success, and that is divided by the time delay and the effort and sacrifice equals value. Now, value for something like an artist's song, for example, or the fan experience is increased when we do four things. This is the breakdown of those four aspects of the equation. One, we have a dream outcome. Our ideal result is in alignment with what the business is offering. So I know if I'm going to go to the gym and I want just some like lifting tracks, I'll hit play on that song. I trust that that dream outcome for that specific product will be delivered. Then the next step, this is multiplied by my perceived uh, likelihood that this product will give me that dream outcome. So I think that and then the value because of the X amount of times that I've done that and it's provided that dream outcome, that perception that it will work increases the value. Now that's divided by, these are some of the takeaways or, or some of the scores that may lower it if they are properly uh, addressed or will increase the value if they're properly addressed which is the bottom of that equation. So the time delay, how quickly, you know, can we uh, purchase or take this product and get immediate results or delayed results that will, again, depend or, or dictate the increase or decrease of the value. And then that is multiplied by the effort required. How much effort do I need to play? If an artist is hard to find or maybe only on a SoundCloud playlist or something that adds more friction, then the value is going to be diminished because of the effort or a lot of things by design. You know, if I'm going to the gym and I'm going to do a very hard routine that I have to come up with on my own versus if I hired a coach who's going to give me the breakdown of the routine for the workout, then that's going to increase the value of that offering because of maybe the, the effort. Some effort still required, but it's not as effortful as me having to come up with a workout, for example, and having to do all that work. So those are the four kind of breakdowns of, of that equation. Now, there's various brand and product strategy tactics that are used uh, to differentiate between commoditized, commoditized goods, um, which is a naturally intrinsic part of music and other art. So how many rappers are there? How many Latin rappers are there? How many Latin rappers that, you know, speak about this subject are there? Then there's the niching down of the individual brand, you know, the Bad Bunny, again, kind of his individual brand, the Gaga's, their individual brand. That's naturally intrinsic in the product and the business that is an artist and song. Um, but those are important things to highlight is a bit more of the nuance of how a business can also use some of these tactics and strategies, which we'll get into here in a little bit. Um, either way, the business, again, we're speaking as the artist being the business, they create value with various forms of differentiating and increasing that perceived value, and they become a one-of-one -one solution, which is what we want to do. You want to be not commoditized, but you want to be a one-of-one -one that people can't compare you and then will compete as all commodities do on price. If this person and this person are the same, this business offering and this business offering are the same, this artist and this artist are the same, then I'm just going to choose as a consumer, maybe based on price, where if there's a brand lever, uh, this one speaks more to me, or this one offers more value because of this, or this is differentiated here, then we're more properly competing. And again, that's both a product and a brand move, um, which helps, again, increase the fandom, increase the repeat 
uh, purchasing cycles of your customers, of your fans. And so having that in the back of your mind through this is also key. Now, to apply this concept to your business, it helps to paint a macro picture. So uh, this is kind of a picture of the model of what an artist product looks like. So we'll start with three steps, essentially. The product, in this case, is the music, the lifestyle. Again, maybe a hero or heroine that we're putting on a pedestal, an aspirational um, being. You know, this could also be in a religion, your Jesus. And then there's your bishops. And then there is, you know, at the top, you know, God or whatever you believe in this this thing, this tangible uh, noun, right, that we'll place as as a sort of product that we're buying into. Um, again, in music, this is going to be the artist as like this being that we could see as a product of sorts. And then, again, their music being part of that, the lifestyle that they're selling, that's the product. Now, the next part of the step is the, the distribution and the execution of um, delivery of that product. So pushing a soundtrack, for example, of your life, my soundtrack for the gym, uh, for example, with Eladio or pushing, you know, this alignment to this community as say a Swifty or a Gaga monster, um, this solidifies and creates trust and a sort of tribalism. You're creating a cult, you're creating mini religion, um, that increases your following. So with a business, obviously you're not necessarily building these little cults per se. Some brands are, but say if you're in the B2B space, you're still wanting to create this sort of selling and clearly defining what the result is that you're providing for your fans fans, and for your, we'll call them clients at this point, in a way that your distribution and execution of that is sustainable. Um, and again, the way that, say, an artist does that is they'll build and leverage that cult following, that tribalism into investment of that audience. So for us, we're going to either get our audience or the artist is going to get their audience to follow them. Maybe we get email newsletters. Um, they get paid with attention. Maybe we get podcast listeners or YouTube subscribers. Um, maybe they get paid with uh, the merch. You know, that's obviously going to create some revenue. We're going to sell our coaching or we're going to sell our course or we're going to sell an intro product and other forms of additional consumption that again start to execute, uh, deliver, you know, what is the value and also starts to distribute this product throughout your uh, market. The last step is monetization. So we started talking about monetization in terms of say merchandise for an artist or in terms of your coaching course. But again, some of this is oftentimes not just paid in money, but in attention. So after this introductory form of consumption, like uh, merchandise or ticket sales for the business that is an artist, the artist, the business that is the artist will leverage that trust and it builds the, the trust that is built with this audience and their attention and their engagement, their eyeballs, their ear holes, followers, newsletters, subscribers, listeners, all of that. It leverages that into partnerships or offerings. Now, this is a result of the value that the artist, the business, or you yourself as your business, has created and now is being exchanged for either, again, for the artist advertisement dollars, maybe collaborative brand attention. Think of like your McDonald's partnerships at a Bad Bunny show. You're going to go there. You're going to see the McDonald's activation. You're going to see the commercials of McDonald's and Bad Bunny. You're going to purchase the Cardi B special McDonald's fries. Uh, Mercedes and The weekend have a partnership. So you have these leveraging points that, you know, by being a fan of this business, 
you're also going to be a fan of this other aligned offering, uh, which again, increases the value for the audience in theory, and also brings more value to the business of the artist itself. Uh, and at the end of the day, that's monetization for, you know, the, the product that is the song, this artist, or what is your product? Maybe you're aligning with other uh, collaborative businesses, other, say, cloud resources for your um, services business, other, um, you know, where you would, say, do affiliate partnerships or collaborative events, things of that sort, are examples of how, say, a business would use that same parlaying of um, trust into a new monetization offering. So, again, to break down some of the takeaways, how do we apply this business model to your business, the music industry business model? So, first takeaway is understanding your audience and building trust with them. And then knowing what products specifically you sell by truly understanding what is the crucial solution you're offering. With this information, you then optimize your offering, that's your product, to be as valuable as possible within whatever bandwidth or capacities or resources you have. So, at this point, Things as simple as, um, you know, iterating on the, the the value or the timeline as we go back to the value equation that will increase the value of what it is that you are actually selling to your audience may happen in incremental steps. Um, if you're, say, an artist or a bootstrapping business, you begin to maybe platform on one form to market your offering. And this should be a single offering for one single audience via one channel of distribution. And then with your product redefined and a finalized commitment to however long you're going to offer this one product, uh, you continue, as I mentioned, to increase its value to make it a no-brainer for your identified audience to say, yes, I want to purchase this. Last, I'm sorry, next, we build authority, relativity, and trust art with your audience. So that's just kind of grooming and, and adding this sort of uh, value generating and building that trust to continue the relationship with your audience, with your clients, with your uh, consumers. And last, we offer value with a productized offering, whether it's direct to consumer or if it's to your business to business clients, by leveraging that trust and consent of your audience beyond your initial offerings. So this could be increasing your product line, adding, adding other offers, improving the quality of the product by bringing in better people, optimizing your systems, partnering with other businesses, as we mentioned earlier, so that your margins and your value are serving and are exponentially increasing while the effort and cost to acquire and keep business is decreasing for you, as well as some of that effort should be decreasing from your audience's side, which increases the value for them. The next takeaway, the most beautiful part of all this for me is seeing and understanding this virtual cycle, which is built from art creation in the terms of the business as an artist and supporting creatives and businesses. So my philosophy is that business and art create tremendous value, the most value in my opinion, because it allows individuals to serve and communities to grow unlike anything else can. So corporations can provide funding and capital for an artist, for their business, which is the value to an artist, right? Getting sponsorship dollars, getting um, deals so that they can continue to build the business, improve their product, better recording time, better shows, better um, offerings, have a successful career, you know, be able to live off their art, be able to succeed with their art, 
build a talented team, be able to support that talented team, create value to increase, um, you know, the jobs and the opportunity that that their art is building and generate great experiences for their fans again and, and then hopefully elevate their community, their families and other creatives. Now, the last takeaway of all this, like any tool, business being a tool, these strategies, marketing, your social media campaigns, all of these are tools to some aspect. Um, it has a light and dark side. And so the key for an individual or a corporation, a business, a firm, is to be less impressed and more involved. Practice being less of an admirer and more of a participator, as McConaughey would say. Um, this is being aware and conscious of the fundamentals of what you need to do in improving and in optimizing your work. That is the work that needs to be done for you as an individual. If you're a CEO, if you're a producer, if you're a marketer, if you're a talent manager, if you're whatever it is, there's work that you need to do. And there are large forms of consumption and escape that is offered in our world. We're part of that world, right? As capitalists, as business owners, we play both sides of that. So again, being aware that that escape exists and you as a producer of goods and services and as a human in today's society can be well-suited to practice restraint and certain values of ethics to positively impact our society. So this is both on an individual basis, as a business basis, to resist the, resist the temptation to forego delayed gratification, to just go after the shiny objects. Everybody's on TikTok, so you're going to jump on TikTok even though your audience doesn't live there. You're going to do it for distractive reasons. Um, don't resist, or I should say resist the temptation of the hard work, the fundamentals, the self-discipline, and resist the very strong pull of just placing attention on value of something external or consuming a product instead of doing the work. And again, the ethical argument here is that also as our businesses build some of these levers and these strategies, excuse me, some of these strategies, being aware of when and how you are implicitly uh, or explicitly creating some of these um, less than valuable or less than healthy services for your audience. So this is how you serve an audience on both sides. Just being aware to not hero worship or put your time and energy at the cost of your value in, in an artist or in a sort of tool of consumption or in a product or in a behavior. And also to be aware of how and when you do that to that to your audience to do it ethically as you're not just serving shareholders and stakeholders, you also have a responsibility, in my opinion, to society. So, you know, that this is how, again, we not only feed our souls, our families, our society and our audiences, but the larger scope of what it is to be in proper business. So uh, thank you for checking it out. Let me know your thoughts. Um, check out our Instagram at Be Imperial and stay tuned for the next episode. Cheers. Cheers.